0: Sleep. It's essential to our physical and mental well-being. It is a time for our body to rest and regenerate, and for our mind to process and store memories. Unfortunately, for many men, sleep is not always a restful experience. Today's 22 Plus Y podcast looks at common sleep disorders that affect men, their causes, and how to treat them. Sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is a common condition that affects men more than women. It's a disorder in which breathing repeatedly stops and starts during sleep. This can cause a person to wake up frequently during the night and can result in feelings of exhaustion and fatigue during the next day. What a lot of people don't realise is it can also be fatal. One of the primary causes of sleep apnea in men is excess weight and it certainly is in my case. My body is very dense and whilst I'm obviously obese to the casual observer my actual weight is someone that should look half as big again. At 172 centimeters or 5 foot 8 inches tall in old money I weigh around 130 kilos that's 20 stones or 286 pounds making my body mass index, BMI, a whopping 43.5, almost 50% higher than the threshold for being obese. And it comes with a 19 and a half inch shirt collar. When a person is overweight, their airway can become restricted, which as muscles relax during sleep, makes it harder to breathe as they become partially blocked. Those with larger neck circumferences are much more likely to develop sleep apnea because their excess tissue in their neck obstructs the airway more easily. My ex-wife used to tell me that I would stop breathing when asleep, possibly not long enough for her, but that's another story, and I would sputter back to life and start breathing again. I decided to install a free sleep recorder app on my phone. This will sit and wait to be triggered by noise and then record for a short while before returning to monitor for more noises. This app showed that I was gasping for air many times at night. So I went to my GP and was referred to a specialist. I played the recording to the specialist who was pretty sure it was sleep apnea but gave me a proper monitor to wear each night for a week and return for examination. The monitor showed that I had apnea events up to 40 times per hour almost once every minute. I was prescribed a continuous positive airway pressure machine. That's a CPAP machine. This is a small, almost silent air pump connected to a hose and a mask. In my case, I have a nose mask. Worn all night, the machine keeps your airway open by maintaining a positive pressure. It sounds horrendous, but it's something you become used to very quickly and the sensation of a whole night's sleep is well worth it. Obviously, I'm asleep when wearing it, but I'm told it is like the sound of soft water waves for the person I'm sleeping next to. Physically, they're now the size of an alarm clock on the bedside table, and I carry mine when I'm travelling. In fact, my hospital gave me a letter for the airlines to allow me to hand carry it on so it doesn't get lost. If you or your partner suspect that you may have sleep apnea, there are a few things you can do. Firstly, download a free sleep recorder. Check it for yourself. It's so easy, it's free, and you just leave it by the side of the bed running all night. It will just record when it's triggered by a sound. Then, make an appointment with your doctor. Your doctor might recommend a sleep study to determine how severe the sleep apnea is, but take the recording from the Sleep Recorder app with you. You'll probably be advised to lose weight. It's just the way it is. I walk into a doctor's surgery and the first thing they say is lose weight. But even a small amount of weight loss can significantly improve the symptoms of sleep apnea. So it's worth a go. The next one we're going to look at is insomnia. Insomnia is a sleep disorder in which a person has trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. This can result in feelings of exhaustion and fatigue during the next day, as well as difficulty concentrating and completing relatively simple, straightforward tasks. And insomnia can be caused by a variety of factors. Stress and anxiety. Worries, stress and anxiety about personal or professional issues can keep the mind active and make it difficult to relax and fall asleep. Just don't switch off. Poor sleep habits. If you have an irregular sleep schedule or you have excessive napping during the day or you engage in stimulating activities close to bedtime, these can disrupt the body's natural sleep-wake cycle. Medical conditions. Certain medical conditions like chronic pain, respiratory problems, acid reflux, or hormonal imbalances can interfere with sleep. Mental health disorders. Conditions like depression, bipolar disorder, or PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, can lead to sleep disturbances. Medications. Some medications such as those used for asthma, allergies, Depression and high blood pressure may have side effects that disrupt your sleep. Substance use. Caffeine, nicotine, alcohol close to bedtime can all interfere with falling asleep and disrupt the sleep patterns. Environmental factors. A noisy or uncomfortable sleeping environment, extreme temperatures or exposed to too much light can impact sleep quality. I'll just mention here, my sister, she's 18 months younger than me, she has real trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep. Her room is hot, she has no curtains, she has all the noises from her flat, the refrigerator and everything else all going on during the night. She has a, she uses a TV just before she goes to sleep. In fact, sometimes she leaves the TV on if she does fall asleep. These are environmental factors and bad practices that could all help her sleep. Jet lag or shift work. Regular and short notice changes in sleep-wake schedule. For example, if you've been on a long flight and you've changed number of time zones, or if you've gone on to shift or come off of shift, these could all lead to temporary insomnia. I used to find myself walking around the hotel room, just walking, pacing, 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 trying to get to sleep. After 15 years, I kind of got the hang of it, but I never mastered it. Age-related changes. As people get older, they might experience changes in sleep patterns and find it harder to sleep through the night. This is quite true, I'm now in my 60s and it's definitely become more of an issue for me as I've got older and I found that I needed less sleep when I was working regularly overseas and travelling a lot, I thought I only needed a few hours sleep. In fact, I needed an awful lot more and it took me a lot to catch up. But these days, now in my 60s, six hours sleep is enough for me in a night. If I tried to sleep longer than that, I find it difficult. If I try to go back to sleep after about six hours, I find it really difficult. So definitely something changes. And then, of course, the subject of this podcast... Sleep disorders, conditions such as sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome or RLS, narcolepsy, these can all cause sleep disturbances and lead to insomnia. So if you're struggling with insomnia, there are some things that you can do. Try to establish a regular sleep schedule. Go to bed and wake at the same time every day, even on weekends. Just try it for a couple of weeks. See how you get on. Create a relaxing bedtime routine that helps you wind down before sleep. This is not necessarily practical for all people, but for example, it could include taking a warm bath, reading a book, or maybe meditating or deep breathing. Something like that. Certainly reading a book can help. Don't use your tablet, phone, TV, things like that before trying to get to sleep. All modern screens emit a blue light, even those that have a low blue light mode. And blue light is known to stimulate the brain. It tells the brain that it's daylight, it's time to be awake. You're far better off reading a book. As I said before, avoid caffeine, nicotine, alcohol before bedtime. These can all disrupt sleep. But also, avoid sugars. This includes juice, biscuits, bread, jam, etc. As all these will cause a glucose spike in your bloodstream. If you need something to nibble on before bed, choose proteins. Avoid the carbs. Something like cheese. And no, cheese does not cause nightmares, that's an old wives' tale. Boiled eggs, fish sticks, cold meats, ham, etc. Anything like that. Just avoid the sugars, the carbs. Prepare your bedroom for sleep. Darken the room, install blackout curtains or blinds. Block out external sources of light. Darkness promotes the production of the sleep hormone melatonin helping you fall asleep faster. Maintain a comfortable temperature. Keep the room at a cool comfortable temperature ideally between 16 and 20 degrees C 60 to 68 Fahrenheit. It's known from many sleep studies that a cooler environment will help to promote better sleep. Don't make the bedroom hotter than the living room. It should be cooler. Reduce noise. Minimize external noises that might disturb your sleep. You could use earplugs, or you could have a white noise machine just to block out external sounds. And create a more peaceful atmosphere for yourself. If you can hear your boiler switching on and off during the night, change the programming cycle. Something like this, all of these external noises that you maybe don't notice under normal circumstances can bring your body out of sleep. Before you turn your lights off, you want to be in in a relatively soothing and calm environment. So maybe garish colors on your bedroom walls isn't the best idea. Go for soft shades greens pastels this kind of thing and it'll make the room feel more comfortable before you turn your light off and invest in a comfortable mattress and pillows can't overstate that the comfort of your bed is the most critical element for quality sleep make sure that your Mattress and pillows are comfortable and supportive and they suit your sleeping preferences, whether it's on your side, on your front, on your back, whatever. Remember, a sleep-friendly environment can significantly enhance your sleep quality and lead to overall health and well-being. If you're on a diet and you're not sleeping properly, get yourself sleeping properly first and you'll find you'll be able to handle the diet better. If you've tried all the above without success, you really should see your GP. There might be an underlying medical condition for your insomnia. And you cannot overstate the need for good quality, restful sleep. The next sleep condition that people suffer from is known as restless leg syndrome or RLS. RLS is a neurological disorder that causes an irresistible urge to move your legs. It's often accompanied by uncomfortable sensations. The exact cause of RLS is not fully understood but several factors are known to contribute to its development. Now this is something again that I've suffered with in the past and unless you've experienced it you probably won't understand it but it doesn't matter what position you get your legs into or your feet. In my case, it's often my ankles. That's never right. And you, you you find yourself moving constantly, moving your legs, trying to get them comfortable. And in my case, I could just never get my ankles into a comfortable position. It's really odd. I tried pushing them against the bottom of the bed. I tried pulling them against the bottom of the bed. You're Hooking them around the bed rail at the bottom. I tried all sorts of things. I just could not get a comfortable position for my ankles. And it would just keep me awake. I just couldn't get to sleep because of it. Some of the known causes and risk factors for RLS include genetics. RLS, it can run in families. There's a probable genetic predisposition with some people. And certain gene variants have been associated already with increased risk of developing RLS. Iron deficiencies. Low levels of iron in the brain or blood have been linked to RLS. Iron is essential for the proper functioning of dopamine, a neurotransmitter involved in controlling muscle movement. Very simple thing to do with a blood test is to find out if you've got sufficient iron in your blood. Certain chronic diseases such as kidney failure diabetes, peripheral neuropathy and parkinson's disease are associated with an increased risk of developing RLS. Some medications such as antidepressants, antipsychotics, antihistamines, anti-nausea drugs can trigger or worsen RLS. Caffeine, alcohol and tobacco All of these are stimulants, and these can exacerbate RLS in some people. Age and gender. RLS is more common in older adults. And it does tend to affect women more than men, but it is still quite prevalent in older men. Lifestyle factors. Sedentary lifestyle. We're all guilty of this unless we consciously do something about it. Lack of exercise and obesity have all been linked to an increased risk of RLS. It's important to note that while these factors are associated with RLS, the condition can still occur without any identifiable cause. If someone's experiencing symptoms of restless leg syndrome, they should seek medical evaluation to confirm the diagnosis and try and find the appropriate treatments to deal with it. Managing the underlying conditions like iron deficiency and lifestyle changes are relatively simple things to do and can often completely alleviate RLS symptoms. Then we come on to narcolepsy. Narcolepsy is a condition in which a person experiences excessive daytime sleepiness and sudden episodes of sleep, known as sleep attacks. I used to know a guy whose daughter at the age of 15 was, was diagnosed with narcolepsy and it was incredibly distressing for him and his family as well as his daughter because they'd be having dinner and all of a sudden she would just fall asleep at the table. They could be in a conversation and suddenly, almost with a click of a finger, she's gone to sleep. Very, very distressing. It can also be dangerous for men who work in jobs requiring alertness, concentration, jobs such as driving. If you're involved in operating heavy machinery or jobs where utmost concentration is required, if you're suffering from narcolepsy, it's pretty much a no-go. So if you're suffering from this, you need to get it looked into. Like a lot of other sleep disorders, the exact cause of narcolepsy is still unknown but it's believed to be caused by a combination of genetic and environmental factors. Additionally, men with certain autoimmune disorders, such as type 1 diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, celiac disease, and inflammatory bowel disease, that's IBD, not IBS, may be more likely to develop narcolepsy. If you believe you're struggling with narcolepsy, it's important to see a doctor. it could be an indication of some underlying condition or it may be that you're just not sleeping properly at night either way your doctor can help and then we come on to the one that a lot of people think is funny but it isn't and that's sleepwalking or somnambulism sleepwalking is a condition in which a person walks or engages in other complex behaviors while asleep This can be dangerous, especially for men who may be more likely to engage in risky behaviours while sleepwalking. Again, the exact cause of sleepwalking is unknown, but it's believed to be caused by a combination of genetic and environmental factors. Typically, sleepwalking occurs within the first couple of hours of sleep and someone sleepwalking may have their eyes open, but still be in a state of deep sleep. Bouts of sleepwalking will generally last less than a minute or two, however they can extend up to 30 minutes or more, and the person can engage in lucid conversations while still asleep, but they probably will be unlikely to remember the conversation once they've woken up. As a child I was prone to sleepwalking, even to the extent of going downstairs to the living room. On one occasion I was found sitting on the edge of the bath in the bathroom. And when I was asked what I was doing, apparently, I'm told that I said I was checking my ropes. You see, my dad was a long distance lorry driver and I used to love watching him sheet and rope the loads on his truck. I think I was about 12 or 13. Most children grow out of sleepwalking by around the age of 13 or 14. And it is more prevalent in boys than girls. Where sleepwalking does continue into adulthood, the rates are roughly similar for men and women. Although I grew out sleepwalking, I still have vivid dreams and occasional night terrors. And I will physically act out some of my dreams. To the point where I've cut my head open and had to get myself to A&E during the early hours of the morning for stitches. I was in a dream where some little old lady was in trouble and with some and I went to help and I launched myself across to basically get between this little old lady and these scumbags and uh, I guess I was dreaming of being a hero but what I actually did was I launched myself across my bed and I hit my head on the corner of the nightstand and I cut my forehead open just to the um, right-hand side above my eye and i made a gash about an inch long and it bled profusely and i had to go to the to the hospital and get stitches put in Uh, i got there about half past two in the morning and i left there about six in the morning um, feeling really stupid in another instance in a dream and the fact that i can remember this is bizarre Uh, If you can imagine the scales of this involved. I was bottle feeding a baby whale in my dream. Bizarre. And a polar bear came across and tried to attack the baby whale that I was rather bizarrely bottle feeding on the ice. I swung out and punched the polar bear. I actually hit a tall nightstand on the opposite side of the bed. And in the morning I had really bad bruises all across my knuckles. What I found was that I'd changed my antidepressant medicines. And once I went back to the original prescription of the antidepressant medicines, I was no longer having these vivid dreams. So it sounds old, but the antidepressant medicines that I take now, I don't take for depression. I take it at night just to stop me having vivid dreams. Now I can sleep through the night, there's no polar bears, no baby whales, no old ladies getting beaten up, and I haven't got any marks on my body since I've been taking these pills. But you can imagine that the disturbance the following day, I mean, first of all, with the hospital, when I had to get up, get myself dressed, and get myself to the hospital, at stupid o'clock in the morning. So there's no way that my normal sleep cycle was gonna be maintained. The issue with the polar bear woke me up, obviously. Um, I think it must've woken up half the street the way I hit this nightstand. And I ended up with a very bad, badly wounded hand. So again, my sleep was disturbed. Luckily, the antidepressant medicine has stopped that. So that's good. So remember, getting a good night's sleep is essential for your overall health and well-being. If you're experiencing symptoms of a sleep disorder, don't ignore them. Get help and take action to improve your sleep quality and get that rest that your body needs. If you found this podcast interesting and or useful, please like, share, subscribe, tell your mates all those good things. My name's Stephen Hooper, and this has been a podcast from 22plusy.com. Good night. Sleep tight.